This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and dyed-in-the-wool cat lover. Today, I really have an important episode. I want to talk about viral headlines. Not just viral in the sense that people share it and talk about it and, and maybe even panic about it, but also in the sense that the headlines are about viruses. So I have with me a special guest today, Dr. Jason Stoll. Now, Dr. Stoll is a veterinarian. He also has a PhD in infectious disease, and he does research and he teaches. So I thought he would be the perfect guest to talk with us about these viruses that everybody's kind of talking about and giving us some facts from right from the horse's mouth or Dr. Stoll's mouth. So we'll be right back after these messages with Dr. Stoll. Dr. Cat here again. So I wanted to tell you something about my cat, Scamper. He's kind of become famous. People ask me about Scamper, but Scamper does this sort of annoying thing where when I act like I'm really interested in petting Scamper, that's when he decides to leave. And that's sort of a a cat thing, I guess. But yeah, walking up to Scamper, Scamper's got to think of it on his own. It's got to be his idea to play with me. But that's all stuff I can live with because what I can't deal with is a smelly litter box, which is really, really unacceptable. So I use Arm & Hammer Clump and Seal. It clumps really tight around the odor and it destroys it for seven days. A seven-day odor-free home, guaranteed. Because an odor-free home is a happy home. Arm & Hammer, more power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. Hi, Dr. Stoll. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I am excellent. So because of my presence on social media, I see a lot of headlines and scary things, and I see people's reaction to that. And that is why I reached out to you, because I'd like to make sure that my listeners know what the real threats are and know the real details about some of these viruses that are in the news now. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Always an enjoyable time with you. Well, thanks. So some of these things that we have been hearing about lately, for example, the influenza virus. And I know that that is a virus that's close to your heart in some ways, but it can be a disease that is present in pets, I know. So I kind of wanted to talk with you about whether or not we should be afraid for our cats during influenza season. It's a great question. And influenza has been a challenge or flu has been a challenge in human health for a long time. There's been very, very large um, what they call pandemics where many, many people across the world have gotten sick. And the flu virus is, is really challenging because it changes very, very fast. And each year we potentially get a slightly new or even a very, very different virus that affects people. And so what has happened in the years is that there are some human viruses that are flu viruses that can affect cats. 
Um, this has happened in the past. Uh, sometimes they are just from birds and, for instance, don't get into the human uh, human population. Other times there have been situations where we've actually seen, fortunately, it's not wide scale, but in some cases, cats get sick by, for instance, being with, with their owner. So, so this can happen. It doesn't seem to happen very frequently, but it is something to kind of be aware of and to be monitoring uh, for anybody that does have a cat. So it is a little bit frightening to me personally when I read about viruses that can go between species. And I think that's just a a really scary thing. Can you maybe go into why that might frighten me and, and what you know about the zoonotic potential of these viruses? Well, you're, you're smart to be frightened. Um, I mean, I think we have to to gauge that level of being worried. So I think um, appropriate is to be kind of vigilant in the sense that as pet owners, we have to recognize that it's not just viruses. There's a lots of many of the bacteria, many of the different diseases that we have as people can be transmitted either to our animals or from our animals. In fact, over 50% of, of infectious diseases that we get as people can be transmitted from some type of animal. So that's, I think most pet owners don't recognize that. And so it's important just to, just to be aware. Some things like, like flu, like influenza, are a little bit even more challenging because they have a tendency to change very, very quickly, which makes them even more difficult. And so with that comes kind of new territory. So we see you know, for instance, new diseases that uh, pop up on our, on our radar in human health. And some of these we recognize they can get transmitted or originally transmitted from animals, whether that's um, as people are, are aware of what's kind of going on right now with coronavirus, whether that's at, for instance, a what they call a, a live animal market, where we have lots of different types of animals, various health conditions of these animals, probably various levels of hygiene and then a lot of people that mix around. And so that's kind of a perfect vessel or opportunity where we might see diseases that typically would occur in an animal species or in a different type of animal move into people. And that's the first part of it. And the second part of it is, does that disease, that virus or bacteria have the ability once it gets into the person, then to actually be um, moved from person to person. And so those are the pieces that, that generally come together. And one of the, I guess, reasons that I think we oftentimes get a little bit worried about this is, yes, it does, you know, there are diseases that can be transmitted, but these animals, they are part of our families. We have very, very close relationships with our animals, especially in North America. And should there be a situation where we get one of these diseases that can affect our cats, our dogs, or whatever is in our household, that uh, definitely can have a a huge implication on our own health and welfare. Right. Well, I didn't mean to sound like um, that I was panicking about it. I just think the potential, just like what you just said, the potential for something to go from pets to people is kind of a big deal in our part of the world because we have our animals right here with us all the time. So yeah, that is why I thought it was a big deal. And I'm glad I asked. So What do we do if maybe we have influenza and then we feel like our cat is sick? What do we do? Well, there's, I mean, there's a couple of things around this. And so uh, probably, you know, one of the most important things is, you know, we've we've talked a little bit about the opportunities for, for diseases to move from us to our animals and from our animals to us. And I think it's wise to consider our animals as kind of other beings in our house. And so if we're in our house and you know, if I'm sick with what I consider to be the flu or if I've been diagnosed with the flu, I'm going to take special precautions to try and ensure that my family members don't get sick. Sometimes it's easier said than done, 
but you know, I'm going to cover my cough when I, when I'm coughing, I'm going to cover my sneezes. I'm going to try and keep myself as separated as possible, especially when I'm really sick from my, my household members. I'm not going to go to work. Uh, if, if that's, you know, an opportunity, if that's, you know, something that's, that I'm capable of, of stopping. So these can be somewhat similar things that we might want to think about with our pets. So for instance, when we are sick, really trying to reduce the amount of close contact we have with our pets. It's a wise thing to do. So what we should do if we have concerns, if for instance, we're sick and all of a sudden at the same time or slightly at the or roughly the same period of time, we notice our animal is ill and we wish to, to bring their animals ill enough that we want to talk to our uh, veterinarian. It's always a good idea to give the veterinarian a call first. What happens sometimes, and especially something with flu that's very, very infectious, highly, highly infectious, is we don't want to show up at the veterinarian's doorstep with our sick cat and have something that potentially can get transmitted to other cats that are there, maybe even to other people. And so giving them a heads up, hey, this is what's kind of going on in my household. I know it sounds a little bit unusual, but I'd like to bring my cat in. And what do we need to do to make sure that we can do this in a safe way? And so with just a little bit of of foresight, a little bit of planning, we can really prevent something that could happen if we're not careful. And so some simple steps, making sure the animal uh, is maybe evaluated before it comes into into the clinic, bringing it straight into a into a room or even if the the veterinary clinic has one bringing it straight into an isolation room so maybe you know a little bit of a little bit of of preparation ounce of prevention always the way to go so communication really i mean letting your veterinarian know that you have these concerns i do a lot of examinations in cars in my parking lot for a variety of reasons but i can't do that if i don't know that there's an issue I can't agree more. And, and and really, this goes much beyond, you know, kind of our conversation today about viruses. Really, anytime you're concerned, you're bringing your animal into the vet, your, your animal's sick, always a good idea to, to call first because the last thing that any of us want is to accidentally transmit that disease to other animals. Absolutely. So how widespread do you feel like these viruses in our pets? How widespread do you think they are? How scared should we as cat owners be? I don't think we should be scared. I think we need to be aware. That's the most important thing. And so there there are some simple, simple things we can do as we just kind of discussed in terms of, you know, some simple precautions to take if we're sick, some simple precautions to take if our cat's sick. Um, so if your cat's sick, you know, that's not the time if you do have an outdoor cat to be letting it go outside. Ideally, we're trying to take some simple, simple steps to try and, and reduce these things. I think, you know, our understanding of diseases that are transmitted between animals and people are constantly evolving. Um, Some of this is due to the fact that we're looking and we have new tools in, in science that we never had before. But it's also about the fact that our world is changing. You know, we can move from one part of the world to another in, you know, less than 24 hours. And with that, potentially we can bring animals. And so with those animals, those animals come with their own diseases from those countries. We can also bring diseases on ourselves, on our clothing, inside of our bodies. And so I think it's just a a natural respect that we need to develop and an awareness around some of these things. And when science is speaking, trying to be aware of of what those are and to be, you know, uh, somewhat careful with what information you're accepting and and be, uh, you know, taking that, that information to heart and making preventative changes in what we do. I would say don't panic, but plan. 
So, you know, make planning your best friend and make communication your best friend. So I really think that that is excellent advice. So you're not off the hook yet, though, because um, I want to take a quick break. But when we come back, I want to talk about this extremely viral headline about coronavirus. You mentioned it just a little bit, but I want to pick your brain a little bit more about coronavirus, which is kind of a new thing in the headlines. So we'll be right back after these messages. So now I've got this pack of four Sharpay rescue dogs, Jimmy, Coco, another Sharpay, one pug, who is Joe. I have stuck with the Dynavite for, oh my goodness, probably five, six years. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. People remark on really how well my dogs look, what beautiful coats they've got. I tell them, yep, they get a regular diet of Dynavite with every meal. Dynavite is nutrition. All I have to do is say dog food. It's a pandemonium. They can be half asleep, and they're up and thrilled. She just looks that bowl squeaky clean. You don't need to wait until a problem presents itself. It's far better to keep the dog happy and healthy at all times. Dynavite for life. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. People do ask how they get Dynavite. I tell them I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. Dr. Jason Stahl and myself have been discussing some viral tips. Not the kind of viral about like you think in social media, but actually some tips about how to handle viruses when you think that you are infected or maybe you think your pet is infected. And you mentioned, Dr. Stoll, that when you're feeling bad, it might not be the best idea to snuggle your cat or spend a lot of time with your dog. And our pets kind of know when we're not feeling good. So that may be a little bit harder, don't you think? I I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's easy for me to sit here and talk about these things. But, you know, when we go back and we're at home, especially when we're not feeling well, we're in our beds and we're wishing for nothing more than our our animal to snuggle up with us. So I I do think it is it is a challenge. But I think that similarly, if you if you have children in the house, I mean, there are things that you would try and do. So we might want our kids to snuggle with us, but we're going to have a conversation with them. We may not be able to communicate the same way to our pets, but trust me, I'm sure your animal will understand uh, eventually. Um, and this is not a long-term change that we're going to be trying to implement, but but trying to be aware of those things and trying to do our best to recognize the importance and the role that we each play in infectious diseases. So you would still recommend washing hands and coughing or sneezing into your arm. I mean, all of those things. Can we go over those tips too again real quick? Absolutely. I mean, there's simple, simple things that if we do a good job with these, we can make a dramatic impact on our own health, the health of our our pets, health of other people in our house. And those are pretty simple. So one, when we're not feeling well, we should really try and not be going to work, not be going to public places. Really, really important. Number two, as you said, hand washing is key. We have all these very expensive things that we can do, for instance, in human healthcare and veterinary healthcare. Probably the most important thing that we do is wash our hands. So that can either be using soap and water. It can be using an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. The more, the better when you're feeling ill. 
simple things, as you mentioned, sneezing, coughing into your arm, um, not making sure that we can kind of control those uh, viruses that are coming out of our body, those bacteria that are coming out of our body, and just simple concepts like that can go a long, long way. So when I first heard the headline about this coronavirus, I was like, what? Because as veterinarians, we hear about coronaviruses all the time, and it's nothing like this. This is completely new. So I want to talk about coronaviruses a little bit. Tell us what we need to know. Well, in simple terms, there are coronaviruses, and there are many of them. This is a big family of viruses. And so we have to be a little bit careful when we just kind of use the general term coronaviruses. We see them. There are some viruses like this that happen in people. There are some of them that happen in dogs. There are some of them that happen, for instance, in cats, like, like feline infectious peritonitis, FIP, is from a coronavirus. But what is perhaps most important that there are all these different families or pieces of different types of, of coronaviruses. And the one that we're kind of most worried about right now, uh, which is going on in people, is a very different coronavirus than what we generally see in, for instance, cats with FIP or in dogs uh, with different types of gastrointestinal or those types of problems in dogs. Yeah, when I first heard them say coronavirus, I'm like, oh, no, it's a stomach bug. <laughs> so, uh, pandemic stomach bug sounds even worse. But yes. So the one that, that they are talking about now is very different because it is a respiratory pathogen. Is that correct? That's exactly right. And if, and if people remember things like SARS, so SARS was a coronavirus that had a very similar type of history to what, what we're talking about with this novel coronavirus. And if people remember anything about MERS or Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, which is from camels. So if you own a camel, something to definitely be worried about. So these are not new. We've, we've in the sense that we've had these types of novel coronaviruses in the past with that are similar to the one that we're dealing with right now. So I think right now they're saying, uh, you mentioned a little bit about the market and how it was sort of like the perfect storm for this to begin. And then, of course, the fact that we can travel, you know, worldwide in such a short time. But do we know anything about where this virus came from? So it's always really difficult, especially when we're trying to, to kind of trace back and figure out where the disease might have come from. So the first thing that was people became aware of was, was at the end of 2019 was this new this is a group of individuals, people diagnosed with pneumonia uh, in a part of China. And one of the common themes was that people had spent time at this particular what they call a, a live animal market or wet market. And so a lot of work has gone into trying to better understand what animals were at that market, a lot of testing of different animal species, even some pretty impressive looking at the actual virus itself to better understand how it's similar to viruses like SARS or MERS. And so what we maybe can learn from other viruses that we've dealt with and what we can apply to this novel coronavirus. So I and we as a community and industry, veterinary industry, we have vaccines that have a coronavirus component. So do we need to be vaccinating everybody, all of our cats? And do we need a vaccine to address this new coronavirus threat? Well, so I guess two things. The first is, is that the vaccines that we have for our pets are not effective or at least not believed to be effective for addressing this coronavirus for the reasons that we kind of started with. So all these different types of coronaviruses that are out there. The second question is, even if we did have a vaccine at this point, the good news is, is that it doesn't seem to be infecting 
are domestic pets. So that's a great piece of news. Um, it's something that that the the global scientific community is kind of watching very, very carefully for, again, lots of the reasons that we chatted about early on. Um, but at this point, there's no evidence that suggests that our pets can be infected with this virus and that they serve as a source of infection for us. So that's that's great. Let's hope it stays that way because like you said, they come into our homes, they stay in our homes. So we do not want that threat. So what if, you know, I guess there's got to be a first for everything. What if one of my listeners out there thinks that their cat could have been exposed or could be ill from this virus? That's right. So for people that have been kind of following what's going on, We've got over 70,000 people worldwide that have been infected or at least diagnosed with this virus. Majority of those are in China. There have been a handful of people that uh, have come back to the United States either because they were traveling in China and have come back infected. And so there's huge efforts that are being taken to try and contain the virus uh, within the United States, within each country that's dealing with it. And um, ideally, if we're successful, we'll be able to ensure that the virus doesn't continue to spread. But it is possible that you may be an individual that uh, is in a living in a, in a household where there could be somebody that is diagnosed or likely to be infected with this novel coronavirus. And um, should you have an animal that uh, that becomes ill and you fill these criteria, so for instance, you you know, you're someone in your house either is likely has this the coronavirus. And you want to obviously talk to your veterinarian. And just like we talked about before, the first thing you should be doing is picking up the phone. You do not want to bring your sick pet to the veterinarian, especially with something like this. A conversation is going to be really, really important so that your veterinarian has an opportunity to get prepared because this is not something that many of us have been thinking too much about or are ready to, to address. So what type of precautions they need to take. They'll have some conversations with you about the illness in your pet. Is this something that really needs to be seen? As you mentioned, are there ways that we can make this as safe as possible? So the drive-by, so the veterinary or veterinary staff coming out to your car, other ways to, to ensure that if this is uh, an event where we potentially have this virus move into our cats or other animals, that we and try to do everything we can to ensure that it doesn't spread further. So the good news is that there have not been any documented cases in companion pets of the new coronavirus. Now, what about back to influenza for a second? Have there been documented cases of influenza in cats? Yes, there have. There have been situations um, where we've seen uh, large groups of cats potentially get infected. Um, some of these have been, for instance, in shelter situations. Some of them have been where a person in the household has been infected with a certain type of flu that has been spread to cats. Some of them, in some cases, we're talking about big cats. So, for instance, lions and tigers. There were situations where some animals, some cats that ate infected birds were infected with uh, the virus. These overall, though, are, are not very common. And again, that really depends a lot on which particular, which type of flu is in the population, is in the human population at that time. So what about there's not a influenza vaccine for cats that's labeled for cats, but what is your opinion on influenza vaccines for humans? I mean, do you even go there? I'm happy to go there. So I, I used to work in public health for many years, so I'm not a human health practitioner, um, but but the vaccine is so public health each year makes huge efforts of trying to remind the public of what they need to do to try and prevent 
uh, the flu. And and why do we do it? So yes, most people that get the flu, it, it's not a really a fun time. Uh, you know, you're going to be sneezing. Uh, you're not going to feel very well. You may have a fever. But we have to remember that there are thousands of people each year in the United States that die from the flu. So this is not something to take lightly. And one, you know, some of the recommendations are all the things that we've already mentioned in terms of not going to work and covering your cough and all that kind of stuff. But a big one and an important preventative measure is vaccination. And so for people that are should definitely consider the vaccine against the flu. And as people know, the flu virus changes each year. And so therefore, we need a new vaccine each year. And especially important for people that are have young children or elderly people in the household or have frequent contact with these individuals, extremely, extremely important in making sure that we take these preventative measures. Very good. I have had the flu only once. I really hope I never, ever have it again. And so I don't miss my vaccination at all, just in case. Well, I really appreciate your time. I wanted to make sure we address these kind of panic headlines and and educate people, arm them with what they can do and how they need to communicate with their veterinarian. I would encourage everyone out there that has a sick cat to just pick up the phone or text or email or whatever you like to do for communication because communication is kind of like knowledge. It gives you power. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to help educate my listeners about what they need to maybe be afraid of or less afraid of and what they can do to help head off these fears. So thank you so much, Dr. Stahl. Anytime. True pleasure. So I'd also, of course, like to thank my amazing producer, Mark Winter, because without him, Nine Lives with Dr. Cat would not be, not be a thing. So I want all my listeners to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.